Oh my gosh. Hey everyone, it is Leah Love. It has been several months since I have recorded a podcast. I have been asked about it and I was definitely taking a mental break pretty much for all of 2020. So I have been thinking about doing video recordings again and then I realized that my life still is not capable of providing enough consistency where I can hop on video. You know, I do like to look good and um, with the best of my abilities and sometimes uh, being able to present myself as I would so desire on video is not always um, an option for me because I am still a homemaker, still a homeschooler, and now we've added a new puppy, a little beagle to our life, and dealing with the throes of also running a business, dealing with COVID has been a lot. So I am not always... uh, in a position to take a video at the drop of a hat, which is partly why I started the podcast so that I could just hop on the podcast without having to be seen. But even that, I took a break from it. And now that I'm thinking about getting a lot off of my chest, I realize that there are times where I just don't want to even type out a lot. I had been really enjoying Instagram I am Leah, L-E-A-H, love online on Instagram. So you can find me by typing in those three words and really enjoying a conversation and the content that I've been producing on Instagram, especially since Facebook has been an outlet that is increasingly distasteful to me. So really been enjoying Instagram, but now I'm at a space where I need a break. And I realized that what's going on in 2020 has just been insanely out of this world from dealing with the advent of COVID into the election year, which means that we have the mainstream media sponsored propaganda blitz about the shootings of quote-unquote unarmed black men or the killings of unarmed black men. And for those of you who may not know, I am what one would consider a conservative, though I have never voted um, Republican. But as the years go on, I am definitely much more conservative than I've ever been before in my life. So if you are of, you know, radical liberal leaning political philosophies, you definitely will want to tune out from here on because any posts um, or podcasts that I put out is definitely going to be spoken from my conservative point of view. And while I am not political, I don't keep up with everything that Trump is doing, or even Republicans for that matter, but really and truly what does matter to me is the promotion of conservative 
moderate to conservative values. And the reason why I think that's so important is because as I watch the youths and what they're doing out here in these streets, as I watch the ways in which they are expressing themselves, as I watch the sheer mayhem that's happening in many families where the parents and the children are at odds, and as I come to a deeper understanding of the public school's roles in indoctrinating young children into socialism, into this radicalization of their ideologies, into communism, um, I think that based on my interactions with a lot of parents, they are absolutely dumbfounded at how much they missed, like they did not realize that their children um, were little Marxists walking around in their homes. Meanwhile, these children are um, experiencing a great deal of prosperity and peace in their lives, and particularly in consideration of the ways in which many other people around the world are living. American children are definitely um, privileged children for the most part. And so we have this huge stretch in ideological odds between parents and their children, and we are finding households um, becoming very tumultuous. We're finding friendships falling apart over uh, wokeness, over uh, white privilege versus black oppression. We're finding friendships between whites and blacks have been um, torn asunder. Uh, I've gotten several messages from white individuals who have felt that they've never been racist. Uh, they've had very difficult lives, don't see themselves as being privileged, and are truly baffled as to what they can do to help. They're feeling guilt-ridden, they're feeling ashamed, they're feeling um, as if you know, they just can't seem to make their previous friends understand that, you know, they are not part of the problem. They don't subscribe to white supremacy uh, and, and they really want to know what they can do to help. But they also want to be able to tell the truth, which are, you know, the stats that, uh, what was it in 2019, that there were a total of nine unarmed black men who were shot by cops. Um, and, and it's nothing at all comparable to the numbers that are being thrown around, as well as the ideologies that the young have. I have even um, heard from my own um, bonus daughter here in the home, who's 16 and a half, that you know she felt very fearful walking out um, of the front door that she might um, be victim to police brutality. Now. Clearly, if you saw our neighborhood, we never even see police in this neighborhood. It is a manicured, very comfortable, upper middle class neighborhood where, you know, there's no trash everywhere. There's no graffiti there. This is clearly not the ghetto. Um, these children have not experienced true racism that even I myself um, might have experienced growing up in the 70s and 80s. And yet these children are here um, indoctrinated into this ideology that they are got the, you know, their necks are under um, the police's boots. 
24-7 and it's just absolutely not true. I don't believe that at all. Their life has certainly not bared uh, witness to that and yet they truly labor under this psychological um, frightening um, fear. And, and because of that, that's what just really sends me off the deep end, to be honest. I become so enraged that young children's lives are being damaged by the very fact that they are living in a prism that's not real. Um, and those who are benefiting from this are not um, focusing on these young children in terms of their life trajectory and the best for these children. They are simply using these children and being quite vampiric in their uh, in using their energy um, to to usurp uh, many years of their productive, youthful lives. And I personally understand what it feels like to go through the victimization mindset, the constant perpetual victim. I used to be far left growing up, but partly this is why I get so upset about it because I wasted so many years. I wasted so many years being angry, being fearful, being minimized, feeling like I was a victim, feeling like whites were not gonna like me here or there. Even though for the vast majority of my life, I had not really experienced anything like that, but I was indoctrinated. Um, though I did have uh, a few racist incidents, but again, the vast majority of my life experiences did not bear witness to this ideology that because I am black, I am lesser than, or I am being victimized by white supremacy um, and systematic racism at every turn. It just was not true. Uh, and, and I look at the young children today and I realize that there are so many opportunities that they won't go for because they are fearful of systematic racism. There are so many opportunities um, that, you know, that they will allow to pass them by or won't even avail themselves to because of this mindset. So I have really been exploring my own red pilling, so to speak. I have been devouring video after video after video. I've been reading the autobiography of uh, Booker T. Washington, Up From Slavery. I am just at the end point of the um, biography of A.G. Gaston, who was the first multi-millionaire, um, a black man, first multi-millionaire man from Alabama. And in fact, it was his motel, the Gaston Motel, where Martin Luther King, um, you know, and his cohorts had their political meetings. Room 30 was a well-known uh, room in that motel, and this man, um, was able to do so much because of the wealth that he amassed. And one of the reasons why I took to reading these biographies of these um, individuals who were born in the either the late 1800s or early 1900s is because they were living during a time where there was clear evidence of systemic racism and um, uh where people were either had parents who were slaves um, were, or shortly thereafter born after the um, ending of slavery. And so clearly they were living in a time where you could obviously 
um, <laughs> see that there's segregation, that there's Jim Crowing, that there's redlining, um, you know, racism was sanctioned um, statewide and otherwise nationally, and yet they were able to accomplish so much, not from being pro-militant black, black pantherist, uh, mindset, but from dealing with what's right in front of them and what was necessary and what was necessary um, in order for them to have the success that they needed was because one, education was important to them. They understood that they absolutely had to become educated people in order to maneuver in this world. And then secondly, they understood that the promotion of family values, building yourself up from your bootstraps, just in terms of clearly they came from nothing uh, in terms of their family's financial wealth. Neither uh, Mr. Washington or Mr. Gaston came from wealthy families. Um, And even though there were wealthy black families at that time, even in those times, they certainly did not. And so they had to find a way to make a living for themselves, to make a life for themselves. And they lived by a very strict code in terms of their own personal morals and values. And by sticking to that, rather than going left or right or dealing with frivolity, Um, and or these ideologies of steeped in anger when they had an absolute right at that point to be much more angry than we are today. Um, They had every right to feel victimized during those times, uh, much more so than today, and yet they, you know, just put their nose to um, in the books and, and they got to work. And they were able to amass um, substantial uh, fluidity, wealth, as well as they were able to employ many uh, black people. They were able to uh, create educational institutions that allowed black people to learn how to navigate the world in which they were living and uh, therefore have income for themselves and then therefore be able to build wealth for their families. And in learning from these great elders, I realized that there's always been two streams of black individuals. Those who were forward thinking, you know, individuals who understood that black people were not at the same state culturally, educationally, financially as their white counterparts, and the way in which to um, truly experience freedom and democracy was first by gathering their wits and understanding what freedom entails which meant that they had to go about the business of building themselves up uh, spiritually, morally, and educationally, and go that route. Then you had the other stream of folks who uh, were not at all interested in educating themselves. They were looking for the, you know, the quick buck. They were looking for excuses to not um, push themselves forward through their own willpower, they were looking for a handout uh, or looking for someone else to help them and to just hand things to them. And yes, that's a very real personality and character trait. And we have bodies of uh, 
you know, education and knowledge that are stemming from either of these routes, either of these tracks of thinking. And so while the first set of people were eventually called sellouts, um, they were called, you know, um, kowtowing to the white folk, uh, Uncle Tom's, Coons, etc. And the other ones were the so-called more militant black power, um, you know, pro-black, pro-back to Africa, various movements stemmed from that. And we have seen now that we are in the year 2020, we are 120 years into this. I'm taking it from 1900. Let's, I'm just giving it a random number, but we're 120 years, um, you know, past this time. And we see what has been the results. So Booker T. Washington, he's got the Tuskegee uh, Institute. He taught hundreds of thousands have gone through his institution um, and and learned uh, what they needed to learn in order to become functioning citizens and gone on to have great careers. Um, And he's got a legacy. A.G. Gaston, you know, had um, funeral um, funeral services. He provided insurances. He created his own banks. He was able to um, create mortgages for thousands of Black families who could not get mortgages, home mortgages from white banks. Um, he was able to fund um, a, a business school that taught uh, tens of thousands, I believe it was more than 80,000 um, black individuals to learn secretarial skills, how to um, perform their skills in a business uh, environment as opposed to just strictly agricultural. Uh, he, His wife was instrumental in starting the student, the federal student loan program. Uh, in the 1960s, she went and spoke before Congress, um, and her name was Minnie Gaston, um, and she was also instrumental in running the business college, the business school, and um, he had the motel. He he did so many things where he was able to employ black individuals. He was a huge funder behind the civil rights, even though he was still um not as, in his opinion, he considered MLK to be radical because he was more of the stream of thought where you needed to build bridges with the white community uh, and other white businessmen in order to, to survive and during those times. Um, if he had been confrontational, if he had been all pro-black power with that bull, Connor, I believe his name was, that that crazy um you know, these leaders uh, it, during those times, they would have bombed him and, and, and he would not have had the wherewithal to employ the thousands of black people that he employed. Um, and so him having uh, the capability of fronting tens to hundreds of thousands, uh, bailing out protesters, um, bailing out MLK, uh, during that time. I mean, he, he needed to have had that wealth if it had been only the pro-blackers and the other route, which was we're just basically not going to do anything in life because until white people hand everything over to us, we're just not going to function. We're just going to be over here yelling and screaming and fists in the air, but we're not actually going to build anything worthwhile. We're just going to be angry and we're just going to stay angry and we're just going to be victims and we're just going to keep appealing to 
to white guilt, but we're not actually going to do anything and build communities and maintain safe neighborhoods for our children. Even when there is a burgeoning Black-on-Black crime, we're just going to keep yelling Black Lives Matter, and we're just going to be angry and over these fake statistics. None of them have any money, um, and they're not going to be able to bail even themselves out when they get um, thrown in jail. So it requires the other half which is the people who've actually done the work, who've elevated their families, who've employed thousands of people, and who haven't um, spent their life um, pumping fists in the air and angering everybody around them and alienating everyone around them. And so you needed, I guess, one could say we needed both because MLK was able to get to the uh, civil rights you know, um, Bill passed and through his agitating, but you also needed that other. And he and Mr. Gaston butt heads um, quite a few times. Um, And it's just a a fascinating history to read about all of that. Um, and, And so that's where I've been focusing my time and energy lately. And it's been a wonderful experience for me to reach back and realize that during much more strident tough times, um, you had people who were making strides and doing much better than many Blacks are doing today, even though Blacks have cell phones and, you know, welfare, EBT, everything at their disposal, the internet, you can start a business with PayPal and a website. I mean, you know, it's just amazing what we have at our disposal for black individuals and black youths to still feel like they can't succeed and that this is the most racist time um, on the face of the planet. Um, I'm not buying it, but I understood that I needed to backtrack and I needed to get myself in the frame of mind of people who were really about something, people of substance, and learn from them so that I can teach this stuff to my children, so that I can share the true statistics with my children so that they don't become pawns of the, you know, white liberal machine, which is simply using them for their own um, benefit. Other than, you know, the little claim to fame here or there, these young children are being really, really misled. And so this is my rant, (laughs) so to speak. And I am so glad to be in this space, but there's a time where I've just got to get a mental break in and get back to my self-care routine um, and, and, and take care of what's right in front of me while I incorporate these lessons into my life. Because to be honest, I just can't bear to have my children fall down the rabbit hole of white liberal propaganda who are really not their friends. And um, so I think I am back. I've got so much to talk about to get off my chest. Um, that expect more from me. You can find me at leahloveonline.com. I post a lot of articles that are about family, wealth, legacy, conservative mindset, marriage, homemaking. Um, and uh, I try to compile the information, write my own articles. I've got a few writers who are writing for me as well. And so really looking forward to the future of that site. Is also, you will find me most usually on Instagram, Leah Love Online. You can find me there as well. And until the next time, be well. Bye-bye.